Well, hello, and welcome to Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some creepy, creepy stuff for you boys and girls today. Hope I don't scare you too bad. <laughs> oh, God, Dad. All right, we got a special guest today, Stephanie, <laughs> my youngest daughter. She's had, she has her own podcast called, called What's Really Out There. I know you've heard the commercial. I'll put that on her sometimes. She hates that commercial. <laughs> I hate it. We're going to do another it's one. It's horrible. Though. I need to redo it. <laughs> but this is Ghost Stories Told from the South, and I got some good, scary stuff. And I just want to say thank you guys for listening. The numbers are doing good. Keeps getting bigger and better. So y'all keep telling your friends about it. Spread the word. And like I said, sorry sometimes if my di- dyslexic ass can't hardly <laughs> read very good. And I sound like, you know, stuttering Stanley over here. But just bear with me. I'm getting better. So, but we got, I just want to say thanks. Uh, the next episode will be the last one for the new year. This one. Is uh, the Christmas one, I guess, still. And then the next one I do would be the last one of the year. And what I'm going to do there, there, let's hear that. What I'm going to do there. Are we going to do what we did last year at Ashley's old house? No. Uh, Not for the, this is for ghost stories. This isn't uh, for borderline. Oh, yeah. Um, My bad. What I'm going to do for the end of the year, I got all my wrap-ups and my stats and all that from the year. And I'll show you how much progress the show's made. And I just, like I said, we'll do that and do some ghost story stuff. And it'll be a fun time. Can't believe it, though. It's going to be 2023 in a couple oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. Woo. But just want to say thanks to everybody, wherever you're listening. I mean, I know we're getting some, of course, a good following in America, but Canada, Germany, Brazil, um, South Africa, um, <laughs> some other ones I can't think of right off the bat, but we're going to start this party, all right? So, like, I, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like always, get you a nice warm blanket and some hot cocoa or some coffee, cuddle up to the fire and hit play. And get ready to be scared. (laughs) Okay. Our first story is The Brown Lady of of Rhineham Hall. The photo of the Brown Lady of Rhineham Hall is not just one of Britain's most famous spiritual uh, photographs, but it is world-renowned. Since its development in 1936, the ghostly image of the brown lady descending the stairs of the Norfolk country house has been widely criticized and proof of criticized, but it's proof of ghost. Now the Halloween has just now that Halloween is just behind us. And in dark winter nights are drawing ever close. The famous photo is doing its rounds online. Nestled among other famous photos as one of ten frightening photos. And if you haven't seen this photo, I guess I should have pulled it up so I could show her. But it is a woman, a figure of a woman in the stairs. On the staircase. It's, uh-uh. I mean, you, yeah, you no. can really make it out and everything. No, uh-uh. 
probably be out there in 2.5 seconds. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't want to visit the Taos anymore. Hmm. All right. The Legend of the Brown Lady was not a product of infamous photo, but has been part of Norfolk lore for centuries. The ghost captured on film has supposedly been a constant presence of Ryanham Hall, Norfolk, since the 19th century. The haunting figure frequently referred to by two names online. Namely, Lady Dorworth Walpole from 16... I guess she was born in 1686 and she died in 1726. Or they call her Lady Lady Townsend. Nonetheless, the, the women are one of the same. The lady suffered an unfortunate accident in life. Her husband was cruel and ill-tempered and when learning of her adultery, naughty, naughty, that means she was cheating on him. Oh. <laughs> and he lost it. Okay. Learning of her adultery, he punished her disloyalty, disloyalty by locking her in her chambers, refusing to let her leave Ryanham Hall until her own death from smallpox. Since her death, she is said to roam the hall in a brown satin dress carrying a lantern. Well, I'd be carrying my ass out outside <laughs> when I seen that. <laughs> There's numerous reported sightings of the brown lady, including one from King George V, who saw the lady standing beside his bed at night. Oh, uh-oh. See, I couldn't. Ow. No. No. If I woke up and seen something, then I would, I'd lose my. No, How I would not live that? there. I'd be gone. <laughs> However, one of the more elaborate claims originates in 1835 and was recorded at, at a Christmas gathering. So this is why I'm kind of telling this one around Christmas because mm. that's when they see a lot of her too is at Christmas. At Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> it is weird though. You know, this weather is more spookier yeah. than when it's Halloween. Because this real. week here in Texas, it's been cold. We got a, it's whoa. been cloudy and cold, just like just like a scary movie. And y'all who live in Texas, y'all know how it normally is. It's normally hot. And, yeah. Ooh, so, it's been cold. Yeah. Okay, where was I at? I hate it when I get up and talk because then I lose my spot. <laughs> Okay, eighteen eighty five. Okay, was recorded at Christmas Christmas gathering <coughs> by Lucas or Lucy C. Stone. Visiting guest Colin Lofus uh, and Hawkins claimed to have seen a spiritual woman in a brown dress as they return or retired to their bedrooms for the night. The next day. Excuse me. Excuse me again. <laughs> the next day, Connell Loftus saw the lady again, but this time even closer to him. 
He reported that the woman had empty eyes, eye sockets that stood out darkly against her ghostly glowing face. Eh, that would be creepy. The next year in 1836, Captain Frederick Marriott, a Navy officer and father to Florence Marriott, were okay, especially asked to spend the night in the supposedly haunted bedroom. So this guy went there and wanted to spend the night in that bedroom. Yeah, that's me with the baker. He's like, uh, put me in the scariest room, please. Apparently, he aimed to prove that the that any such hauntings were in fact the work of the work of local smugglers who aimed to frighten people away from the area. In fact, Captain Marriott's experience was anything but uh, mundane. His daughter Florence recorded his experience in 1891, and here's his experience. He took a position of the room in which the portal of the apparition hung, in which she had been often seen and slept each slept each night with a loaded revolver under his pillow. For two days, however, he saw nothing, and the third was to be a was the third was to be the limit of his story. On the third night, however, Two young men knocked at his door as he was undressing to go to bed and asked him to step over in their room and uh-huh. give oh and give his opinion on a new gun just arrived from London. Well. The corridor was long and dark, for the lights had been turned off. But as, well, back then they didn't have early lights. Like electricity, it was candles. Yeah. So, but as they reached the middle of it, they saw the uh, glimmer of a lamp coming towards them from the other end. One of the ladies going to visit the nurses whispered, the young township, the young towns, or the young towns to my father. I have heard him describe how he watched her apparition nearer and nearer through the through the uh, slip of the door until as she was closer enough for him to die, for him to see what was out there the colors and the style of her co- of her costume he recognized its figure as the face fa- uh, face smile of the uh, portrait of the brown lady. He had his finger on his revolver and was about to demand to stop and give the reason for their presence there. When the figure bolted off its own, bolted off on its own accord before the door behind which he stood and holding the lantern the uh, holding the lamp she carried too carried the ramp to her 
her ramp, ramp, the lamp to her features, grained in a mystical and diabolical manner of him. This act, this act, so oh, <laughs> this act so in this act so infuriated my father, who was anything <clears throat> but lamb-like in his disposition that he sprung into the corridor with a boom and discharged the uh, the rifle, the uh, pistol right in her face. The figure instantly disappeared. The figure at which for several minutes three men had been looking together. So, apparently this guy seen her and shot her and it disappeared. And that's what they're doing right now is looking for a body. And the bullet passed right through the outer door of the room on the opposite side of the corridor and lodged in the panel of the inner room of the inner one. My father never attempted again to enter to interfere with the brown lady of Rhineham again. <laughs> that taught him. Well, yeah, I mean, there's people that are skeptical out there. And when they finally see something, they're like, man, they was telling the truth. <laughs> You wouldn't even attempt to shoot it. You'd just be like, bye. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm out of here. I ain't wasting a bullet on a ghost. <laughs> Firstly, late night gun c- compressions with the visiting news did not seem to be an idea way to spend one's time. Secondly, Captain Marriott shot a ghost in the face. There's, there's being spe- uh, skeptical. Then there's trying to execute the undead there have been several other reported sightings since marriott's gun toting days but some none are as dramatic or as violent the photo that gives us the lasting image of the brown lady was not taken by an investigator hunting the woman's uh, apparition but was the work of captain hubert Captain Hubert C. Provid, a, photo- a photographer working for for the uh, Country Life magazine, he and his assistant, Shara, were photographing the hall for a general article and seemingly, seemingly, seeming, seemingly, uh, yeah, had no intent to cover the uh the uh, legend of the brown lady. After taking an, after taking the photograph of the halls and ground in the staircase, they were making preparations for the second when Shira saw the uh, gradual formation of the figure form and gradually assuming the apparition of a woman. Now that would be weird. Mm-mm. Just imagine you're sitting there. And there's like nothing there, and then you just start seeing that smoke and fog kind of start making a shape of a person. Nope. Yeah, I'd be like, well, you can form all you want. I'm going to form my way out of here. <laughs> after taking the, uh, after taking the photograph, of, oh, I already said that. <laughs> upon, upon uh, Shira's instruction. 
Provid quickly took another photograph and update de- developed the uh, infamous image of the brown lady, and the brown lady was revealed. Instead of the suspension planned article on Ryanham Hall, Provid and Shiro's experience, complete with photos, was printed in the printed in the county in the Country Life magazine on December twenty sixth of nineteen thirty six. And see, back then, they didn't have a whole lot of information about ghosts and all mm-hmm. that. It was still one of them things for people like, yeah, whatever. You didn't see nothing. Yeah, you're just yeah. Since the country life photo sightings of Ryan Ham Hall's ghost have been sparse to say the least, many believe many believe she now haunts the Hugh Hugden uh, Hall. And the Sag Sandringham Sandringham uh, the Sandringham House in more youthful form of herself. Well, that's weird. When she's at the hall, the Ranham Hall, she's like a older woman, and and these others, she's like a younger version of herself. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Therefore, our lasting image of the brown lady haunting remains frozen in time. This, uh, this image is a busy one. Ever since publishing, the image has been used as proof of ghosts existing and visiting and has been su- uh, su- subject to investigation by several high-profile paranormal uh, people. Mm. General accounts of the images are far more prolific in print as they grab our imagination for strong for stronger than ex- explanations by the skeptics. So basically what that's saying is even though they had a picture there were still skeptics going, Yeah, whatever, you didn't see shit. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Yes I did. Nonetheless there are many available available explanations for the ghostly image. And see, this is what I mean. Everybody, when they see something, is, is like, nope, it's not a ghost. It's this, 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 or that. And they give, like, excuses. Excuses? <laughs> yeah, like you said, they give excuses about, well, it's because there was fog in the house. Or there was, eh, shut up. It's a ghost. <laughs> Many cite a double exposure or, or smear of grease on their lens. Generally consists between critics that is that the image is not of a of a uh, ghost but of either a living figure and canceled beneath a canceled beneath a sheet or a simple or simple superposition of trapped madonia's statue many critics have said that the image of the ghost appears to have its hands raised in prayer and the square stand or mount beneath it is more than visible when when exams the shadows. In short, the 1936 image, generally regarded to be the or regarded to be little more than a composite of two images. See, that just irritates me when people just start. Oh, it's just it's this, it's that, it's can 
can you have an open mind and just be like, well, maybe it is a ghost instead of being just narrow minded and being like, nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> real, uh, real plan ghost hoax or spur of the moment mischief. The ghostly image certainly for the ghost certainly afforded Provid and Shira's Shira's their infamy in their paranormal history books and a ghostly article in the Country Living magazine and certainly a pleasant break from the day-to-day photographs. Well, well, okay, There's looks like there's still a lot more. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. such a ding-dong. I thought this was going to be a really long story. I record, I freaking wrote the damn thing down twice, guys. Yeah, yeah I copied it twice. Everybody point live. <laughs> Stop. So, that's our first story. I hope you all like the story of the brown lady. Yeah, but y'all go look the image up. It's very, uh, very cool. I say it's a ghost. I don't care what the skeptics say or people are like, oh, I'm a photo like professional. That's fake. Uh, whatever. Okay, that's it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's not the end. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're full of it. All right. <laughs> like Max's? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. All right, our next stories we do are going to be some pretty short ones. But they'll be fun anyway. Fun, 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 fun. All right, well, I'm going to do a commercial real quick, and we will be right back. That's our commercial break. (laughs) Psych, we'll be right back. Good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash. The most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is this bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We gonna get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of borderline Texas trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around, and my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Gooseville, Louisiana, and he calls sometimes. We have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Kona. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline. Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. 
So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dicky, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dined with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politic bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> Well, I hope you like that commercial. Our next uh, story is... It's called The Trampled Children. Oh. That's very nice. We're going to talk about some kids getting trampled. Another yearly reoccurring haunting is that of the trampled children of of Kempston, Bedfordshire... I guess that's in England. No, it's somewhere over there <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. Another legend with a delightful, non-specific date. The story goes that a child living in the uh, manor ran out to meet his parents who were returning home by carriage. The family was reuniting for Christmas and in the excitement of meeting his parents, the child ran out in front of the coach oh. before the driver could not stop. The child was trampled to death by the horses and died from his injuries. Mm-hmm. Every Christmas Eve on the anniversary of his death, the sound of thundering hooves and screams can be heard across the old manor's land. Uh-uh. Yes, we have to go there and check that out. Okay. I mean, that's sad that happened to that boy like that. I mean, most people are going to be like, well, it's the horse's fault. Or it's the guy's fault. No. Kind of the kid's fault. Yeah, I mean. He shouldn't have ran out. Yeah. I mean, how did it say how old he was? No, he was a youngin', though. No. Now, our next story. Only reason I'm not cutting and putting music in, because these are just so shorties. I'm not going to bother with it. All right. Our next one. This one's going to be a really short episode, guys. I mean, it's going to be a good 30 minute or so. Our next story is called The Christmas Highwayman. In Hawkshurst Road in Martison, Kent, the ghostly recreation of a highway robbery. Okay. Back in the day, you know, uh, over in Europe, they called their highwaymen were people who staked out on the trails and would rob people coming by. They'd rob the, they would set out of a town or of an inn and sit there and wait for these people to come by and usually kill them or rob them. You know, just. What, was this so, like cars were around or still? No, this is still horse days. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. We're still on Red Dead. Yeah. <laughs> The ghostly recreation. Okay, the ghostly recreation of a highway rob robbery gone wrong is replayed every Christmas Eve. See, that's crazy. I'd love to go check that out too, but I don't want to be away from home on Christmas Eve. Yeah. 
So if anybody's living in that area, please report and check it out if you want to for me and tell we'll me what you, you think. We'll pay you one million dollars. <laughs> no, we're not that. We're not that big on money. No, but it'd be nice to have some. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the 18th century, the notorious Hawks, the Hawkshurst gang of the bandits territory, territory. Uh, the bandits terrorized the area. As Murdison was one of the main main through roads to Hastings. See, like I said, they would stake out and set out on the main road. So campers kind of. Pretty much, it'd be sitting there in the bushes waiting. And see, back then there wasn't no quick way to get a hold of somebody. So if you got robbed out there in the middle of the woods, you were effed. <laughs> Unless you got a fast horse like me. Yeah. And at the end of the 18th century, a notorious highwayman by the name of Gilbert stopped a coach with the intent to rob the uh, occupants. Inside was a young woman and her father, and both were ordered out into the uh, desert or the dis- district, the, the, the deserted road. road. Just as the woman left the coach, the horses were startled and bolted off the road, taking the coach and her father with them. As the young woman stood alone with the highwayman, she recognized the criminal as the same man who had murdered her brother years before. Whoa! Damn! <laughs> Enraged, she withdrew a hidden knife from her bag and plunged it into the uh, oh, and, pl- and plunged it into the startled highwayman, who promptly fled the scene, clenching his uh, bloodied side. Oh, so she stabbed him in the side. You killed me, brother. And me, father. Now, you bastard. <laughs> Sometime later, the horses returned with co- with the coach, and the bloodied body of the high- highwayman was never f- was oh, the bloodied the bloodied body of the highwayman was found by villagers. The next day, the young woman, the young woman was found wandering the woods and had completely lost her mind. I hope no one heard that. I heard that, Dad. They picked that up <laughs> every year. Every year since it's silent. Every year, this scene is silently replayed for all who passes by. That would be so, like... That would be cool, not gonna lie. It'd be cool, kind of weird, and scary. Because, you know, it'd be cool to see that, but then you'd be like, Oh, my God, ghost! You want to, like, shit yourself, but then you're, like, cool. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's scary. That's cool. All right, our second... Our next story is, you'll like this one. This one's a pig. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. It's called the Spirit of Snots. In a a potentially spiritual nod to the many farm animals consumed in the name of celebration every year on Christmas Eve, a, a small group of pigs across the road in... Calico Winchester, Winchester, or yeah, 
quit. Oh, sorry. The pigs are said to be small and white with bright red eyes and seem to travel with with little to no sinister intent. Potentially, this is the festival nod to the benefits of the vegetarians or the joys of Christmas colored pigs. But many haunt, okay, but many, uh, but my hauntings of Whitchester books have left me want me wanting. Well, that don't make sense. Me wanting what? What are you wanting? Okay. Uh, however, I can say thanks to the afternoon of increasingly niche internet searchers that if your pig is pink, pink and red or purple discoloration of the years, it's probably due to the callicers disease. In the days of your small small holding are numbered. So basically it's saying if you see these Christmas pigs, your days are numbered. And they're going to die pretty soon. That's fucked up. Hopefully we don't see them. Yeah, well we don't live over there so we don't have to see them. Apparently they cross the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, take one more little last break. And... <laughs> We will be right back for our last story. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then, if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There. And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am my your co host, Stephen Booth, Hafaja. And if you're into UFOs, unsolved urban murders, la- unsolved murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you need to listen to What's what's Really really Out out There. there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform. Mm -hmm. We have a YouTube channel, too, or channel so go check that out. It's called What's Really Out There. So come check us out. Once again, I'm your co-host, Stephen Booth. And I'm your host, Stephanie Booth. And this is What's, What's Really, really out, out There. We'll see you at the next episode, guys. <laughs> okay. This is our last story. And this one is called The Story of the Mary Lloyd. The Mary Lloyd is a tradition that appears around December to mid-January. Welsh Old New Year surrounding an ancient horse ritual. As the tradition tradition evolves into the 21st century, the importance of keeping the original message of the old true has become an 
become an important part of Welch education with generally storytelling and many potential origins. The story continues to be a mystery but brings joy and optimism for the future every year. What is Mary Lloyd, you might ask? Mary Lloyd is a tradition in which a horse skull is... Oh, yeah, that, that's what this one is. You need to look this one up. They decorate horse skulls, and they're pretty cool, and they put them on a stick. Anyways, yeah, it's pretty cool. Look it up. <laughs> um, where's I at? Okay, um, horse skull is dragged in bells, ruins, and colored ribbons. Each year, the Mary Lloyd would be taken from house to house, asking for every uh, asking for entry via song. The Mary Lloyd would be accompanied by its merry men, who would join in song and play uh, fiddles. This was normally accompanied by a punk, by a punch and joy song. Oh, a punch and Judy song. <laughs> But still, what the punch? I guess it means the drink, like the punch they make, I guess. No, they mean fight. <laughs> I guess so. They punch Judy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. Sim- similarities <laughs> can be drawn between the stylings of the traveling Mary Lloyd and a hobby horse. It kind of is like our version of when people go caroling, when they go door-to-door to door singing. That's what we got to do in Cadets this year. Y'all do? Yeah, we got to go caroling. When? I don't know. Well, they better tell you. Tomorrow's your, well, you got two more days of school left. Uh, where was I at? Okay. Similarities can be drawn between the stylings of the traveling Mary Lloyd and a hobby horse. The old tradition tradition uses real horse skulls which communities find from their local farmers. More modern, more modern approaches with the uh, inclusion of children having now resoluted in depictions of the uh, Mariloid made from cardboard. Also, oh, they get the kids to make like stuff out of the cardboard. Cardboard and paper. A simple white sheet is used for the body, while the decorations vary form community to the village individual uh, approach individually approaches. No two Mary Lloyds are the same, and they are added each year with more decorative stuff. Hmm, maybe we could do that. If we lived out in the country, start decorating a horse skull every year, and then people would probably think we're nuts. <laughs> Hey, we're doing the Mary Lloyd. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. <laughs> it's it's more lit more literally interpression. Inter can you make that out? Interpretation. Interpretation. Mm-hmm. Interpretation of gray mare. Oh, okay. So they're trying to make a gray mare. Is that that's the horse, right? Yeah, there's albino and then there's gray. <coughs> People think it's white, though. Oh. Or gray mane. Both are directly associated to its coloring. Often horses, horses, 
of pale white coats are referred to as grays. Oh. <laughs> That's probably about what they'd call them over there, though. Oh, most yeah. commonly, Most commonly born with brown or black coats, some horses' coloring changes over time mm-hmm. and gradually turns white. Not only the color that appears... That appears ethereal in a ghostly shape, but also that shows a sign of age. Mm -hmm. Seen as a sign of hope through the uh, darkest Welch months. The coloring is also a visual portrait of Mary Lloyd's wisdom. So that one's not really scary, so to say, but it's one of their uh, traditions. Yeah, so... I'm sorry that one wasn't too scary, but I think the other ones were. <laughs> but next week, though, I probably won't be doing any more Christmas stuff because uh, this is it, guys. Yeah. Next week, I'm gonna try to do uh, some Christmas story or some stories, some uh, New Year's ghost stories or something. You know. Yeah. Go over that, but I'm and like sorry. I said, we got a pretty good show planned for next week. I hope you guys have a great and scary Christmas. <laughs> And I hope you don't burp in the mic. So, <laughs> and I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening. And thanks for my guest, Stephanie, coming over oh. from What's Really Out There. <laughs> and don't worry, she's going to get back in there in the studios next year and start recording more of her show. We've just been busy with Because a lot there of stuff. are some new Mandela effects I found <gasps> out about that are creepy as dookie. <laughs> and I know. That they were the other way. They're not the way they say they are. I don't want to talk about it on air because I'll ruin it. it. Yeah, because <laughs> we talk about that stuff on yours. But oh yeah, that that stuff's weird because the you know why they call it the uh, my, what the fuck the my, what's that <laughs> Mandela name? effect Mandela effect. You know why they say that? Cause, because he died in prison. Yeah, but everybody remembers him having a big fr- uh, big funeral, a big funeral, and all that. And that's what I thought I remembered, but I'm so I'm so confused now. If it's Mandela stuff, I don't know. There's one that we covered about Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's spelled L O. Now it's spelled L O, but used to it used to be L O O. Yes, guys. Well, it's just like cu- Curious George and his tail. Yeah, he used to have one. Yeah, I remember him having one. There's old videos, pictures of him having a tail, and now there's no. <laughs> now tail. we don't. Yeah, but, like Teeny. Yeah, <laughs> she used to have a tail, and now it's gone. <clears throat> but yeah, that stuff's pretty weird too. It makes you think, are we in the Matrix? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you <Shout> guys, <laughs> if uh, y'all got any ghost stories, let me know. And if anybody lives here in Manor Wells, in the town I live in, hey, if they want to uh, call us over and do a podcast in their haunted oh, place, that would be very that would be awesome. Cool. So, or if. If you live anywhere near Minner Wells and I'd like to get on the show and like us to do one at your house, stay the night and hear something, we'll might do it. But. <laughs> be prepared to us scream like little girls. Yeah, I will <laughs> turn into a sissy if I hear I'll be something. like, what was that? I'm more of the curious kind. I'm curious but scared. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you guys once again for listening. You guys, it's just, oh God, good thing it was empty. Is there like a little bit left? Just want to say thank you guys for another great year of doing it. Uh, next time I hear from you, it's going to be uh, our last show of the year. <sighs> but 
You guys have a Merry Christmas. Be good to each other and uh, be spooky. And we will see you later. And Happy and New Year. That's not the next episode. That's the next I episode. I don't care. I don't, I but anyways, care. this has been Ghost Stories Told from the South. And I am your host, Stephen Lebooth. Night, <laughs> night, little boys and girls. And ghouls and boos. I don't know what <laughs> boos are. But. Anyways, we will catch y'all later, man. Have a good one. And bye.